Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Open Guardcast. We are in episode, I think it's like 65 now. Gosh, 66. we are just 66. My goodness, we are out here chugging along. You can use our discount code for election performance if you too want to look half as ripped as Danny O'Donnell's left bicep. <laughs> uh, remember that you can use that discount code anytime and work out three days a week with the likes of Alex Turner, Alex Bryce. And all the good guys down there at Electron Performance. We are joined today by a man who made a statement at the 2020 American National Championship, Hysam Rida. Thank you so much for joining us, brother. How are you? Good. I'm good. Thank you guys for having me. It's a pleasure to be on uh, the yeah. Open Podcast. Yeah, dude. We're excited. We're, we're, we're really excited. We love talking to uh, like new – and you're not you're, – you're an up-and-comer – already before but i mean your performance really caught the eyes of a lot of people at american nationals and you know what sucks is uh you train with david garmo that's right right that's, that's not yeah. what sucks but <laughs> this, i'm getting to that in a second although david garmo does look like super mario did a bunch of steroids and tremble on but um <laughs> uh <laughs> we love you david david was on the show uh as well i don't remember what episode number but you can go back in our catalog and check out that awesome episode he's a really funny guy but uh i told david i wanted to get dinner with him on the Saturday, because I competed in the Gi American National Championship, but I couldn't do no Gi because I had to leave. So I was going to get dinner with David, but he went and got sushi. So, David, if you're listening to this, and you went and got sushi instead of upholding our agreement, <laughs> now I'm talking to your buddy, and he's on the Open Guard cast. So, uh, yeah, it's great to have you on, dude. Uh, we're definitely – Danny's uh, the amazing journalist question guy. I am just the guy who talks a lot. So I'll let Danny take uh take the reins on this one. Yeah, so like I was uh I was talking to you about before we started recording, I listened to your episode that you did with BJJ Cypress. Yeah. So if you guys want to follow that Instagram page and check out uh, Hassam's interview that he did with them, it was really good. But I thought you had a really cool story about how you got into jiu-jitsu. So do you want to just kind of retell that story? Oh uh, yeah, um so um I got into jiu-jitsu through my um my dad's boss because uh when when we first moved to um, Japan, it's like the house we were living in. It was like the first floor was the, the, like um, the company, and we were on like the third floor, you know. So um, there was like one summer, like uh, I think I was still 16 at the age of 16. I just like came to Japan after like a year, you know. I used to like, just like stuck in the room and like, not much to do at the time. But like so, uh, I got invited to this like barbecue thing. And immediately he saw me, he was speaking in Japanese. I, I couldn't understand most of the time he was saying at the time, but, you know, I knew he was talking about me getting into something. And uh, he talked to my dad about it, and my dad would, like, translate to me. And I'm like, yeah, sure, I'd like to check it out, you know. And I really didn't have an excuse not to because it was, like, literally on the first floor of the apartment <laughs> we were living in. So I walked past it going or coming back. So, you know, it yeah. was the access. That's how I, I got into it through that. Oh, that wow, that's really cool. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's super cool. Do you so you're fluent in Japanese? Yeah, I'm fluent. Oh, that is really cool. Okay, cool. That I didn't and you know what? I didn't know. So you live in Japan right now. That's where you're at. Yeah, I I just moved here. But I I, I used to I I lived for 11 years and then so since 15 to now. Oh, no way. I had no idea we were calling uh, to Japan. No, so so right now you're in Detroit, no, right? Right now, right now I'm in Detroit. Sorry. I mean Oh, yeah. oh, oh. Yeah. You see the brain, right? So uh, <laughs> I had no idea. Okay, cool. Yeah, but to Detroit, I'm in like uh, Michigan right now. Yeah. Okay, so I'm cool, to you guys cool. from Michigan, right? 
Oh, okay, okay, okay. Now, now I'm caught up. Now I'm, now I'm all on the same page, guys. <laughs> yeah, we're on the same page. It. Jake is dumb. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but that's really, really cool, man. So, how long in? So you trained. Uh, it was at Carpe Diem, correct? That's Carpe Diem, right? Okay, awesome. How um, how when was your first opportunity to like come to the United States? Then. Oh, first opportunity to make it to um, the United States was 2018. October 5th. I always remember that day. Yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. What was it for? Uh, I was here for the quintet that they ha- that was heading in Vegas. I lost that fight though, but you know I couldn't. I felt like I couldn't. There was too much pressure, too much excitement. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I was here for quintet um, Vegas. They had one in Vegas same weekend as the Habib and McGregor fight. So I remember like a lot of Irish people. In Vegas, it was a cool experience for me. <laughs> oh, that's but, yeah. really cool. Yeah, you went all the way from Japan to about as America as it gets in Las Vegas. <laughs> so that's really awesome, man. It was, it was like really cool to like experience that, really, you know. And um, so, and all happened down like uh, after, if you're gonna go back a little bit, it was like the Quintet 2 that I had. And that was when like the name was kind of known a bit. So, Sakura was like, yeah, we gotta find a way to get into the state. You gotta, you gotta go there, you know. And I, I honestly, I personally was like, man, I already tried like six times, man. It didn't work. What, what's gonna make them want me now, you know? I didn't like, but you know, I don't know how. Good lawyers and all those people came through, and yeah, it happened. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. So for people who don't know, if you don't know Kazushi Sakuraba, then you're probably not an MMA fan, but he was like <laughs> a really famous uh, fighter in pride who was really good at leg locks, and he's been competing a little bit in jiu-jitsu recently. So um, do you want to talk about what it was like to – because did, did you train with Sakuraba before joining his team? Yeah. Um, no, I didn't train with him. And, uh, you know, Sakuraba is not like the guy that I like, okay, I want to train with you. Let's go. It's not going to happen that way. So – um, like I was saying, I was telling the story, like, um, you know, when he first, when we first met was, he came to check me. I, I've seen him before. I'm not going to lie. Cause I, I, I see him from the spectator point of view, you know, like I was still mm-hmm. right there. It's like far away in there, you know, he's like a God, you know, especially yeah. like, you know, he's highly respected. But when you met, when I met him, it's easy going and all that. But yeah, so, uh, they were looking for like fighters and stuff um, to add to make a team of five people. So they needed two more guys or something. So, you know, like uh, me being like Carpe Diem, like somebody told them about me and like, hey, is this guy that trains with this, the, the last team that won the, the event, maybe you guys might want to check him out. So that's when like uh, they messaged my coach, Yuki Ishikawa, like the director of Carpe Diem. And to ask about me, and you know, so they just like agreed and asked me where I'm gonna train next. They gotta come check me out, you know. So it didn't feel real, you know, like El Sakurosan is gonna come check me out, like, really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, that had to be crazy. <laughs> and the day came, I came a little earlier than usual, you know, warmed up, like ready to go, you know. And he actually walked in with like a bunch of cameras behind him, like, whoa. You know, it's, it's, it's for real. And then, like, uh, yeah, anyways, like, we, I, I was training as usual. I kept my cool and, you know, went hard training with my boys. 
yeah, so at the end we talk and he asked me like he asked me if I if I seen like Quintel like yeah I watched the first one second one I I I I wish to be on there someday, you know so if I'm good enough I want to be there like that's what I said and if they left like less than two hours I I got a call like from my my coach that yeah you on you in you know and you know you want something so bad you get it like wow it's actually happening like that pressure. But also, like, at the time, I was just a brown belt. So I just saw it as an opportunity, you know. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I felt like if I get beaten or if I lose, it's just, like, I'm going against black belts and all that. Like, just another black belt, maybe he got beat by experience, or, you know, or he's not on that level yet. So there's, like, not, nothing to, to keep my head down for. So I just went in and just, like, went full, full giraffe, like, be smooth. <laughs> full mm. giraffe. That's okay, awesome. you know what's so funny? I was about to ask you that question. I'm looking on your BJJ Heroes page. Yeah. By the way, everybody, check out BJJ Heroes. You can see a full catalog of all the fighters. And we're looking at uh, Hassan Rita's page. He has uh, the nickname Giraffe, right? Yeah. And it says it was due to the lanky body frame. But when did that come about? Like around what belt? Who came up with that? All right, I, ran, I was to Purple Belt. And my coach, Yukishikawa's son, like he actually um, gave me the nickname, you know? And so, like, just uh, out of nowhere, he, 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 I think he made an Instagram post or something about me and, like, Rita in between Giraffe High Summer, like, uh, why Giraffe? You know, so initially I thought maybe because I'm always the tallest in the group or, like, something like that, you know, like, that's going to make sense or make it easier. But I was like, man, I don't really like if I want to be called a Giraffe, you know, like, <laughs> so I... I think I, I DM'd him, you know, how you can send on Instagram, like, directly to somebody or yep. post or something like that. So I, I, I made a post directly, I'm like, hey, why drop, you know? And his reply was, like, one sentence, like, giraffe uh, kills lions, full oh. stop. <laughs> All right. That's a good well, explanation. That's actually really good. <laughs> hey, man, you got to keep this short and simple. And you're 6'3", six, you're six, and you compete in the heavyweight division. No, 6'5", um, right? Yeah, I'm six five. Um, oh my gosh! Then six, I need to text. Uh, I need to text Andre. He says you're six three. Yeah, I yeah. Actually, that was reported to me. I gotta text him too, so that would be fake. I'm six five. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> gosh, you're giant. I'm <laughs> six three. You're taller than me. I'm like I'm a medium heavyweight. You're a gigantic person, dear. Because <laughs> I see you in tournament. I remember I saw the video. I was like, dang, that guy's big. That's <laughs> a tall guy. Now <laughs> I know you're six five. You make me feel uh, small. Anyway, moving on. Oh, yeah. uh, so actually, I have a question kind of related to that. Um, so you did most of your training at Carpe Diem in Japan, and I feel like most people at that academy—it's it's an academy known for having a lot of really good lighter weight and smaller competitors. So was it difficult for you to to kind of develop your game and to get hard training rounds? Because a lot of the people you were training with probably were significantly smaller than you. And you can correct me if I'm wrong about that, but no no you're right you know like it's not just like carpe diem like you know um being in japan in general like finding people like closer to my size or like yeah they got train with was always a struggle like since mm-hmm. you know since the, the day that i stepped in like and so i think in a good way it helped me adjust it like with the small guys you know like my style wise is like you know, like this sort of small guy game I got like in the big body type of, yeah. you know, so um, 
yeah, it's, it's a good and bad thing. And but at some point, we I we some we made things work. Like you know, like find a way. I, I remember like I, I I did judo, even though I was like very tall. I was really really light, but I remember they put me with the, like the heavy guys to train with, and you know they throwing me around all day, you know pushing me, and you know like that's kind of stuff that I train with. And then until uh, I got on to a certain level of purple belt, so my first academy was like um, Alabanca. Alabanca is a little outside of Tokyo. It's a city outside of Tokyo. That's where I first moved to or, or lived, I'll say. And uh, Alabanca was like a very small town in a very small town, like outside, you know. I don't know if you guys ever been to Tokyo, but like Tokyo is more very diverse. And, you know, it's very like very international, just like a New York, you know, like New, New York. It's a melting know, pot. Kind of people like, you know, and maybe you guys, if you go there today, you can survive because you got English, you know. For me, it wasn't that way. Like, it was like a little countryside, so <laughs> nobody spoke any English, you know. So I think um, that environment really forced me to work hard, like, and, and uh, you know, learn my Japanese and everything. But I'm just trying to explain that it was even harder at the time to find my side because people who were there were like really, really small. So mm-hmm. always finding opponent to fight with, and even like in the competition scene, it was always the same guys, you know. Like when it came to heavyweights, yeah. like well, oh, you fought this guy, this guy, and then <laughs> next tournament, oh, you again, you know, like mm-hmm. it's very yeah. small being a big guy out there, you know. So, um, but like then, like uh, after I got my purple belt, I knew I had to make a move if I needed to get my jiu-jitsu to the next level. That's when. You know, my, my good friend Thomas, who is also like 6'2", something like that, 6'2", less. Um, he was one of the bigger guys too, you know. So I remember I met him through like uh, at the competition. I'm like, man, that's a big guy, you know. So <laughs> I was like, hey, maybe we should train together. Like that's how our friendship started. We started training together and he was at Carpe Diem. So through him, I got the connection to join Carpe Diem and Yuki accepted me. And uh, since then, we started a program of like finding bigger guys in this area or in the city to come together and train, you know, so every day in the week or like multiple times in a week, you know, so and like uh, we invited, uh, not invited, like uh, Yuki hired a different guy from France, Reda Mepsush, like a very good heavyweight. I think he took third place at the Waltz Brown Ball last year. So he's really good who came and, you know, we started connecting and then now like the size is getting much bigger, you know, our bigger guys are starting to see that it's getting competitive to be, you know, just not just lightweight, you know, so I think it's and it's attracting more people now, but it's always, it's always, it's still a struggle and, uh, you know, it's very easy and you got to stack together and just a little few among those guys you train with, you have to, you know, figure out who to train with and who not to train because, ah, this is like on the rival team. This, is- yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. <laughs> man, we uh, what's that? I was, I was just gonna say, I want to go to Japan one day. Like, man, it would be great for the uh, Open Guard Cast Japan yeah. takeover. <laughs> We've only heard great things about it. Yeah, definitely. If, um, you know, obviously, right now it's everything the world is, but definitely Tokyo, Japan is the place to go. And hey, anytime you go and let me know. I got you guys. <laughs> All right, That'd be awesome. <laughs> Man. So yeah, I thought it was hard cast blessing. Yeah, so I thought it was super interesting. You just talked about how, um, like you have like a smaller guy's game, and like I was going back and watching some of your matches this morning, um, and I noticed like you have 
like really good throws from the feet. So you have good takedowns. You have that like Uchimata that you do. But then once you hit the ground, like I feel like you're just going after the submission continuously. Like I remember I was even watching a couple matches from uh, from Abu Dhabi World Pro, and they were talking about how when you pass, you're really like looking for the submission right off the guard pass instead yeah. of stabilizing the position. So is that something you you picked up with working with smaller guys? Just feel like always you always had to attack. Um. Yeah, and uh, to be honestly, uh, honestly speaking, also I'll say it's from my first coach. You know, mm-hmm. he was a big, um, not a big fan, I'll say, Rio Alba. He's, he was just in love with the Gracies, like the Gracie. Uh, Hickson Gracie is like one of his favorite. Mm-hmm. You know, his like game and everything that he used to tell us was like, don't don't think about a point, go for the finish. So all our training was based on like from starting getting to the finish, starting getting to the finish. And that's how I started. So I felt like that's a big thing that, you know, I started that way. So it, it became part of my style, you know, but then now I'm trying to build on it, you know. And it is good and bad times, you know, like yeah, and some fights that I lost or like I lose the position because I didn't stabilize because I'm always in a rush trying to get go for the submission. If I get it, it's really good. Sometimes if I if I lose it and, you know, the guy gets out, now I end up being the bad pushing and all that. But I, I still, I'm still like, you know, growing and learning from all that. But still, you know, that's, that's a good and bad. And I'll say, to answer your question, I'll say um, that was from my first coach that mm-hmm. kind of gave us a game plan like that, you know, always going for the finish. I, I remember not knowing what the point system was going to my first um, competition. He just told me to do what I do all the time in training. But Go for my, the kill. I had my first competition, I really got beat up bad. You know, <laughs> I ended up being like a judo guy. So he had a little bit of experience, you know. And my first, I was a little nervous too. And I just forget everything that I ever learned. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember being thrown around everywhere. But yeah, it, it was cool. But then after I went back and came back again and then, yeah. I started to like connect the dots since then. I think everybody's had a bad first tournament experience to begin with, right? Like Danny, what was your first? Your oh, wait, wait, we've we've gone over this on the show, I think, right? You did a double, yeah, you took him down, <laughs> and, I, and I got well, the, the first guy. No, the first guy I took down, then I got triangled in the second match. <laughs> oh, true. I got suplex and armbar in 15 seconds, my very first ever jujitsu match. So. We've all had we've all had rough experiences uh, yeah. at the start, right. but you know it's funny. Right. Uh, you've had a lot of fights at black belt, even in your in your. I mean, you haven't been a black belt for very long, right? You've had yeah. a lot of fights. Which one of those fights do you feel like was a big like whether it was a wake up call or was a big learning experience? Uh, which what is there a fight in your mind that stands out like you kind of realized, oh snap, like this is the next thing I got to do, and then it led to a great deal of improvement. Oh. Uh... Yeah, I'll I'll say fighting um in Guam I, I did the Mariners Open and I went against um uh, kind of Duarte. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and like as we all know, he kind of like shut down my game real bad. Yeah. And um, man, the way that I was entries uh, like stuff that I was like really confident in, he really like break those easily, like the grip cutting and like the pressure. Everything that we just do it, and right after then, the, after the fight, it's like more like you know I wouldn't say a wake up call, but I felt like okay, this is like how it is, to, or this is like the best in the world right now, like this is how it feels to go against him, you know, like the way of 
what I'm thinking or what I think I have is not gonna be as easy as I think maybe or <laughs> mm. like yeah you gotta like just um work on not just like technique and like con- con- controlling the pace you know like the strength wise too you know that's like really really important so yeah. I'm working a lot more on like physical training since then mm-hmm. uh, you know yeah. I was I... used to not get too much into it but after that I felt like okay you know I, I need the physical to you know just because i feel like that area i got i really got shut out you know so mm, it's very interesting to see him fight you know what i mean and uh i fought him at purple he did the same thing so yeah he hasn't changed much it's kind of uh, it's only just gotten worse over time it's kind of the same type of fight against him i fought him as a purple ball you know like i as a purple ball i i went in to go somewhere to train and those were the time i couldn't get into us so i was like okay why not let's just go to brazil my coach at the time like yeah go to brazil brazil is like one of the biggest places you can have a good training experience so while there long story short i did the sao paulo open no not that like some local tournament and guess who was there was kind of dwelt in the open weight final <laughs> open weight final you open said finals i think he was like middleweight at the time i was still heavyweight i i, I was like i competed under 94. Mm-hmm. so it was lighter than me at the time but you know um it was pretty close. I think it beat me by 5-2. At least I had a sweep, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, fast forward, like, strength-wise, you know, like, and that made a big difference, you know. And I fought, I fought him last year. That was last year, actually. And I can tell, like, from that first time and what I was imagining and what I actually faced at the black belt level when after he won the world champion, like, that was so different. And, you know, um, I kind of like skip a little bit of the strength session. I didn't take it too, you know, not seriously, I'll say, but, you know, after that, I've been like adding a lot of different programs to like strengthen them. And hopefully in the next class, it's going to be different. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think strength is a huge, a huge part to do with it. You know what I mean? Uh, I told Danny, cause I, I feel it whenever I compete and I'm medium heavy but I don't feel very, very strong compared to a lot of the competitors. So I told, I made a commitment with uh, my co-host here to work out and we're going to keep like accountability on both parts. There's a lot of it's diet too, you know, and just like being super perfect with your diet and uh, limiting cheat days and stuff. Man, it's crazy how all that goes into even sleep. Like that can be the difference in strength. It's, it's nuts at the highest level. It's really like this much that separates that much, you know? Yeah. So do, do you want to talk a little bit? Because you mentioned that like Kynan was able to shut down your game with like, obviously he's very technical, but he's he's super strong too. So have you faced any other competitors besides Kynan, like who you felt, like Jake said, kind of made you grow a lot or realize that you had gains to make in your game? Uh, so like um, right now, like some of the top guys that I've like really um, met with, like the black belts, I would say. So uh, when we go to Nogi, also it was, I would say, um, Lachlan Giles. Yeah, with his leg attacks and heel hooks. Leg attack and heel hooks. And yeah. Super fight against him in China, very funny. And at that time he was, he wasn't, he was known, but not as he was known now. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I knew he was Craig Jones, like training or coach, something like that, going into the fight, and. It's funny, it was in China, a very small city in China, like uh, 
you know, we, I got invited, me and him. I had to cut down to like 90 kg. It was going to be like a, it was an interesting rule set. And it was a three rounds fight. And first to get two submissions uh, wins the fight, you know. So, yeah, I, I knew his leg lock game and I didn't really respect that. That was like my first. I was I didn't say sorry it just came out wrong respect that I'll say um I didn't think I'll end up in that bad spot mm-hmm. you know? didn't care about like working on defense yeah that um, and I that was another way cup call I would say like wow it was really tight that was a year before the ADCC that was the year before he submitted all those like black belt he did so nobody still knew him at the time but I felt it first you know I, was, I think I was the first giant he killed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. and when he got me in the like whoa you can't run away from this you know you either face it and like really try to learn and grow from it you know so ever since and right now like coming and training here in, in Michigan like Detroit with Garmo and all that that's all they do too and I get to learn a lot and work on those stuff you know since then you know I like it, it changed my you know my way of thinking about the leg lock games that you can just ignore it you have to like really learn and understand it to be able to like defend it well i think so that's another one i'll say like really stuck in my head you know yeah yeah that's awesome i feel like those are two competitors who really like you said they kind of got famous recently for for some of their performances and yeah they have different styles too but i think that's really cool how you will compete in those nogi rule sets where you can do the heel hooks and all the leg entanglements, but you also can compete in the high-level IBJJF tournaments that are more position-focused. And so I think we, we ask a lot of guests this, but there seems to be some people who do both, but there's a lot who specialize. They either like to do IBJJF gi tournaments or nogi. Do you think it's important for you to, to do both at the same time? I personally, I feel like, you know, to be the actual jiu-jitsu because, like, you know, um, for me, I would say I'm, I'm a gi guy. Like, I started in the gi, you know, mm-hmm. meaning, like, that was, you know, the, the, the respect for the gi is different. Up to now, it's, like, more very popular there still, you know. And, um, but at some point, I, I, I used to, like, really not like no gi, you know. At some point, I used to, like, you know, uh, all right, this is cool. I, I can train in the gi, you know, I don't have to worry about this and that. But, you know, Jiu-Jitsu as a whole, I feel like you got to be able to do both, you know, because, like, like I said, also my uh, first um, instructor, like, first coach, my dad's boss. <laughs> I was yeah. Like, yeah. He was, like, you know, like, a very, like, more, really into, like, all those self-defense and stuff, too. So I remember, like, we would take the gear off before classes and work on some, you know, um, self-defense stuff, like, when somebody attack you from behind and, like, from front and all those stuff. You know, and we started talking about, yeah, if you're in the street, you don't have the gi, so you have to have this kind of techniques that's going to help you. Then I started thinking, oh, maybe that's cool. And, like, you know, when I'm working in the street, it's, like, no gi. So I started training a little bit, you know, and at that time, we didn't have no gi classes, so close to where I was, we I would go to, like, an MMA gym and train with these guys, you know, stuff like that. And I started to feel like, oh, this is actually interesting, too. You know, it's kind of a different vibes with like gi and no gi like you know when mm-hmm. so I, I started like to like both a very early stage but i never really competed in no gi until like later when i moved to california and actually started training more you know and 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 doing that until like quintet came around and now <laughs> i think i enjoy doing both the same level equally yeah. equally yeah yeah awesome 
Do you feel like uh, you'll make a big effort to go like to the ADCC in 2022? Yeah, I will. I, I'm, I'm, I'm planning on that. I've already started training towards that. You know, I, I, I want to make it there. Like that's like the goal now. You know. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. No, that's good. And that's uh, it's really you're a part of what I feel is probably like a rare breed then, because a lot of people will like like the Tackets and and Cody Steele for instance, from Texas and here in the States, they adhere to only Nogi now and they just fight Nogi rule sets. And that's like, who's number one. I don't remember the last, like the very first who's number one show by flow grappling was Gi, And now it's all Nogi. Right. And I don't know when they're going to do another Gi show. I hope they do because I'm a Gi fighter at the moment, at least I want to get back in a Nogi eventually, but right now it's just not the, not in the cards. Um, but you are – and then there's people like me where I, I do want to fight no gi, but I only fight gi right now. There's two schools of thought right now. You know what I mean? And you're a part of the rare breed who's like, no, I'm going to do both. I'm going to be successful in both of them. You know? And I feel like the last time we saw a guy actually do that was probably what? Uh, Galvão. Know, Kynan, Galvão, Leandro Lowe. Yeah. And that's kind of it. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I think that, uh, that that's, that's close to it, right? And, yeah, and Bouchesha as well, Bouchesha as well. Thank you, Hadra Gracie. Yeah, I'm not going to like, I don't want to leave anybody out. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just giving you yeah. examples. There's way <laughs> more than that. I'm not trying to be like, I'm not trying to be like, you know, somebody's going to message me like, Jake, you forgot me. Duh. I'm not you know, <laughs> yeah, laying I'm out an example here. I wanted to name everyone. Sorry, Jake. No, it's okay. Uh, if you wanted to do that that open guard cast segment at the end where you know everybody and I don't, then you can flex later. But give me, give me a second to process my thoughts. Uh, yeah, I'm just saying you're part of a rare breed, so that's that's gonna be uh, interesting. I think for your brand too, you know what I mean? Because I just like looking at your Instagram, you're very, you seem like you have a good brand that you're building, right? And I mean, now that with with your ability to compete in both, you're just gonna be expanding that, and I think that's very smart. Thank you. Yeah. So, do you want to talk about? Because this is another question we tend to ask all our guests. Like, did you have a moment when you were training or competing when you decided you wanted to do jujitsu as a profession and not get like a a nine to five job and just do jujitsu on the side? Oh, right. Like, I, I to um to become like a full time jujitsu guy. That was like. Uh, it's been a dream since um, I was like blue belt, I think. You know, blue belt is like I I played different sport. You know, growing up like from Ghana, it's like um, we played football, like soccer all day. Yeah, that's like the national sport. Like it's either like you're really smart in school and succeed, or like you know everybody, all the kids' dream is like become professional soccer players, something like that. Mm-hmm. So I started playing soccer until like 15. I moved to Japan and. There's like no stop, like, you know, and at 15, the rules there is like, I couldn't do any type of stop sports, even if it's like a private, like clubs, I couldn't join because I wasn't in school yet. It, they require you to be in like high school to prove that you're going to school to join. So I couldn't really play any sport when I got there and, you know, I couldn't get into high school yet. And my, my parents, like my dad couldn't afford like the international, um, international fee is just like too much you know and mm-hmm. I had like a brother and my little brother the youngest one was on the way stuff like that so yeah um, training on all the stuff you know I played other sports and 
but due to somehow I fell in love with it in a in a, in a way that you know I I started I started skipping basketball and all the <laughs> training more jujitsu, you know. So um, blue ball, I felt like oh this is cool. I could like want to do this more, you know, travel and like you know I was watching like the meows and stuff when they were really killing it. Like oh they could go to Abu Dhabi and make this money. I, I would like to do that too someday. But I, I really didn't have a plan at the time, you know. It was until like I got the opportunity first to to go train as or uh, teach in China, Shanghai, because like that same boss that uh, my dad boss had another gym in China that was in Alabanka branch in China, Shanghai. That was like um, the the teacher, the instructor that was there got injured for six months and he couldn't you know teach or do anything, and they were looking for someone like emergency to go and cover. So he told me, oh, you just got your purple ball. Why Why wouldn't you go give it a try? I'm like, no, no there's no way I, I can't do it. But he said, no, just go. You can. So I actually did. I was supposed to go for a month, but then I ended up staying for like three or so, something like that. And I started feeling like, oh, I actually can do this and I actually can train more, you know. And I started gathering more guys, you know, during the day to train and all this. And, you know, after that, I just didn't want to go back to doing whatever I was doing before. <laughs> <laughs> you know not as fun as jiu-jitsu <laughs> yeah no. and, and like uh, i just wanted to do jiu-jitsu all day you know just think and compete because i i used to like uh, help with like the uh, construction work and all that stuff you know just to make money to pay for competitions and all that so you know having just jiu-jitsu wasn't even in my in my head because how am i gonna pay the bills like you know so <laughs> very true um yeah, until, you know, like after that, you know, I started getting into it, but eventually I went back to doing the life before China. And until like my friend Thomas came around, you know, European friends, so then, then Carpe Diem opportunity came around. And to me, getting to go into Carpe Diem and did what I did, like as early as a football belt, that's not normal. You know, I, it's not normal to be able to like work, you know, and get paid and, and make a living out of that wasn't normal it was like a dream come true literally you know so and uh i got lucky with that and you know when i just when i started like feeling like oh i wanted to do this full time the opportunity came around so yeah i think around blue purple but that was when i strongly wanted to do it full time and you know it's like i wish for it and then the opportunity came and i, I took advantage of i'll say oh yeah, that's am- that's amazing. So we talked about a little bit earlier how you're at Assembly Jiu-Jitsu now in Detroit with David Garmo. So did you met David out in Tokyo at Carpe Diem? Is that right? 2017, yeah. In 2017, okay. yeah. So do you want to talk about your relationship with David and just how you guys kind of like stayed connected to eventually lead to the opportunity to you to go out to Michigan? Yeah, so um, like I said, uh, we met uh, in 2017, I think it's either March or April. You know, so and he was like traveling to to train and compete internationally. So, you know, I remember like being behind the counter and he just walked in, you know, with his backpack, like he showed up just to sign up to train. You know, uh, yeah, like I would talk to him, like you know, just you know, being, you know, uh, receiving. He's like, oh, how how are you doing? Where are you from? Like trying to help him out, like you know. And he tell me, oh, Detroit, Michigan. Like like, oh, that's cool. You know, like that was it. He started training, and I started noticing that he's always, you know, coming every day. And eventually, he started talking more. 
And, you know, I trained with him. That's what happened. I trained with him. He was brown belt at the time. And I was purple belt. I just got my brown belt a week after I met him. So that's another thing we always talk about. You know, so and I trained with him and he was really, really good. You know, he was really good. So, you know, like how do you do like you, you find someone who like really good or like got a, a technique that you really liked? You just started talking and, you know, and I, I started to find out about more about him that he was literally just in Tokyo to train. You know, so during the day, he doesn't have much going on. So I'm like, hey, you know, if you don't have much going on during the daytime, we train from 12 to this. Why don't you join us? So he agreed and he started showing up literally every day. So, you know, it's just like the Jiu Jitsu team. We started training every day. We, we would drill, like, started, eventually, like, we started hanging out on the weekends. You know, so I like, hit him up. Yeah, hey, what's going on? Like, and I, you know, like, yo, we're going out. You want to join? This and that. And that, you know, led to the next step. So we just became like due to brothers. I'll say, I'll say, you know, whenever he was in Tokyo, he would work and he was helping with the carpet DM. He, he came and changed the rules and the culture, no gi culture in Tokyo. <laughs> At that time, the more people were training just the gi, you know, and he came and he's a no gi guy, like, oh, wait, hold on. And he just like literally on his own, recruited a lot of people to start training no gi. A lot and that's something that like we'll forget being carpet there man yeah that's how we met and you know we, we we stay connected you know and we trained together we made we made the same quintet team you know five on five and you know he was back here like we we sent him an invitation to come you know through my coach and you know he you know he became like a brother and you know him being together us training together like the vibes it's just like so much fun you know, so and I'm sure he felt the same way. That's why, like, we stay connected somehow. You know, and a couple of yeah, fast forward like two years later after we met, he opened he opened his own gym, and you know, there was no really plan of me coming here until you know it was a, at the time that you know um, I wanted to like make a move to the state. You know, to to be closer to the action. You know, and uh, and what I can do to help him with his team. So, and we started talking to that, and yeah, yeah, that's really cool. He wants to help me, and you know, I'm happy to be here. And three years later, we're working now together. It's amazing. Yeah. Do you want to talk about how how you like Detroit? Because I'm from uh, Chicago, so not too far from Detroit. Yeah, so yeah. I'm from originally, and uh, yeah, it's kind of it, it's it's a good place. It's a nice place. It's can be kind of difficult sometimes with the weather and uh, yep. traffic and you know just things like that but how do you like Detroit so far yes yeah, so far it's been nice it's been nice you know um so like uh, I came in not a very good time I'll say because everything else outside of is closed yeah so I all I've done is like jujitsu and sometimes like hang out at the house and stuff like that mm-hmm. I, I like I like the place I like the the people everybody being really really nice you know the, the training and stuff you know like um apart from the weather though the weather <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the weather's tough <laughs> yeah. yeah heavy snow sucks it looks like yeah. and they keep telling me we haven't seen nothing yet so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm preparing i'm brace i'm embracing myself for that you know but everything else has been fun so far and uh, you know being around new people like you know learning new stuff in you know meeting new people and all that. So that's like 
all, all this like process is so much fun for me, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So was American Nationals the first tournament you did after moving to Detroit? Yeah, that's right. That was my first competition after moving to Detroit. I, do you want to talk about uh, your gi and uh, no? Or your, you didn't do the gi, you just did no gi, right? I just did no gi this time. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the your weight class and then your open class matches? Yeah. Um, so my weight class is like uh, I had three fights in that. Yeah, I think I, I had three fights. Heavyweight, right? Super heavyweight. Super heavyweight. Okay. Because I usually compete under heavyweight because I walk around like two ten and I, I can't. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just traveling, coming from Tokyo, I didn't want to, like, stress myself with cardio. Yeah. Just like, okay, let me just move up this time. So uh, I went super heavyweight, yeah. And uh, I had three fights in the fight. And, uh, yeah, first guy that I fought, I think, Gracie Baha guy, really good, like, you know. But um, the game plan that I had, I, I really, you know, um, oh, my go-to moves really hit quick. And I got the submission. <laughs> And I was looking forward to more like the checkmats um, guy, like uh, my Maidana. Arnaldo Maidana. Arnaldo Maidana. He was being the same. So, you know, I was like, okay, um, I'm going to do whatever I can to get to the finals. And, you know, this is, should be a good fight. But somehow, I don't know, for some reason, he didn't show up. So, um, yeah, I had three fights only and uh, submissions. I don't really want to talk about the second fight too much because, you know, but <laughs> the third fight was like, uh, also like, uh, well, I saw one of my comments, they said he looks like, like Jon Snow uh, from Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. And, uh, submitted Jon Snow. Yes. <laughs> How could you? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think uh, the fight in a couple of uh, after a quick, I don't know if it was a takedown, was it a takedown? I don't really remember much, but I ended up getting the flying Kimura and set up to the back take. Oh, yeah, that was the where you hit the Uchimata, or no, he was on the single leg and then you hit the Kimura trap, yeah, and then you rolled him and got the arm bar. Yeah, I just watched that one this morning. That's uh, that's what happened in the in the open weight. I think I had three fights too. And I had a decision loss in the semifinals against Almeida. Gabriel Almeida. Yeah. Which uh, I I really believe like I was beaten like tactically. You know, he had a good tactics for that, and um, that that veteran team that I'll say, you know, like. Uh, but I'll be back better next time. I'll get him for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Jake has fought him a couple times, and he's definitely a very tactical fighter he has very good strategy obviously very technical too but jake yeah. do, do you would you agree that gabriel's a very uh, strategic type of guy who has good tactics going into all his matches you know i'll, I'll agree with you isom it's like fighting him is this weird mixture of like aggressive when he wants to be and then like really winding down the clock um but you're right it is like really tactical it is um he thinks about you know the place on the mat and the rules and everything like that. I had a really I actually fought him too that weekend in the gi. Um and the whole fight is like, you know, avoiding 50-50 and like if we're in 50-50, we're going to be there for a while and the takedown struggle is really hard because he, he doesn't have bad takedowns himself and I don't have very good takedowns. I know you have good takedowns, so you're probably way more confident in that area than I am with him. So I pull guard. Um 
But with all that being said, like he's like the perfect example of, okay, this is what the highest level is like, you know, like it's not, it's not Kynan, but it's also not like regional. It's, it's the freaking, he's top 10 at medium heavyweight, you know? And, uh, yeah, I, I think he'd be great. You know, it's ref's decision against a guy who's an ADCC vet. Like this is a good look for you. You know what I mean? You, you stacking yourself up against the tournament. Uh, I think my coach said it. You're only, you're only as good as the rivals you choose. Right. And like, I think that it's just a stepping stone for the future. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I would agree that Gabriel is really definitely difficult to fight, but he's not as difficult to fight as like the Luna brothers. You know what I mean? Like Mateos and Machias, I talk about them all the time, but like, seriously, it's like they have the rule book in their gi and they fold it and tie their belt and the rule book's in there and they're just like, look at it real quick. Where am I? You know? So, um, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree. It's really hard to fight Gabriel and his ref's decision, dude. Like at that point, it's like, I did everything I could. <laughs> right. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It could have gone either way. That was a very close match. Like no one would have argued if you would have got the decision versus Gabrielle. It was very close. Yeah. Awesome. So, so after nationals, obviously that was probably your last tournament of 2020. We talked about wanting to do ADCC trials. Do you have any other goals going into 2021? Maybe like gi tournaments or maybe, um, I don't know, anything else, um, tournament wise. Yeah, so like uh, my my one of my main goal is in 2021 is to try to do whatever I can find, you know, you mm. know, beat as much as I can, gi, no gi, like you know, the other super fights, you know, like uh, you know, I'm gonna apply, you know, make uh, like how am I gonna get, I make an appeal, you know, anything for to get the notice, you know, to get on the stage, fight to and, win, third coast grappling, all that, that goes grappling like. Anything out there, you know, who's number one, all the stuff, you know, like I'm here for that, you know, like I've waited so long to get here, and uh, you know, finally it's like, okay, we're here. Now it's time to 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 do what you you wanted to do all this while. So, um, yeah, like next year is me, and because I still have the, um, I don't know how it's gonna work, you know, I'm I'm gonna try to talk and see what they're gonna decide, but I still have an African passport, like from Ghana. Mm-hmm. So I cannot do the trials in America. So I'm probably gonna oh. have Europe and uh, you know and the Asian Africa. trials, right? Is there an Asian trials as well? Yeah, I couldn't do the Asian trials because my it's a um, Ghanaian passport. I still mm-hmm. have passport, so uh, that's from Africa. And Africa, unfortunately, we don't have our own ADCC trials of our own. So we have to you gotta have to join the one in Europe. So um, yeah. And it was supposed to be in Poland earlier, later, I think, earlier in November, but it got canceled because of COVID. Mm-hmm. But we're everything to next year, so we'll see. We'll see. And, uh, you know, uh, maybe my situation, I don't know, like, if, if I can travel to, to Europe and, and, and compete over there, yeah, I'll do that. You know, and if not, I'll see what I can, like, trying to talk and see uh, what's, what's the best solution for me. And, it's easier to like do it right here in America. Like, why not? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. One hundred percent. I hate to totally, I can totally agree with you. I, uh, I, th- I think it could. I hope it works out, man. Like, it's definitely, um, it's definitely a, an odd situation that you find yourself in, but I think it'll work out for you. So, Jake, do you have any more questions for Hassam? I just have one more, but just wanted to give you a chance to, to no, ask man. any. 
No, I've been enjoying it so far. I want you to just – why don't you go ahead and go for it, bro? Because uh, I've been enjoying it so far. We got – I mean, you're very – you're definitely very – how old are you? Um, 27. 27? Yeah. I did not think you were 27. I thought you were – I thought you were younger than 27. But – but yeah, you've definitely had like a very colorful career. It's very interesting to hear, and it's part of – I say it all the time, dude. I love working on this show. And uh, it's part of like why I love it so much that we get to hear awesome stories like this. So yeah, Danny, take it away, man. Yeah, so that was a pretty good segue into my last question. So I feel like one of the cool things about your story is that you're originally from Ghana, and that's not really a country where, at least from what I can tell, where jiu-jitsu is really like a big thing, like it is in the United States or Brazil or Japan. Um, so do you have any plans to maybe help try and grow the jiu-jitsu scene in Ghana or maybe some other countries that you feel like it's it's small now but you'd like to see to see it expand? Yeah, um, I um... – you know, like I have plans of like eventually, you know, taking or moving what I plans, you know, to my home country and like help with the kids and everything. But right now it's like it's my time to really, you know, build my brand and stuff like that. But yeah. at the same time, um, you know, I'm very open to like, you know, help with what I can at the moment, you know. And I, I got a couple of like organizations that I talk with, you know, like uh, um like uh, like the programs in Africa, like helping with the kids and like uh, due to, and I was supposed to go there actually this summer, but everything got canceled again. You know, I was gonna go to charity seminars and stuff like that. You know, yeah. and I to like uh, Angola, like I got invited to do super fights in Africa and like that was one of the coolest experiences, you know, and, you know, going to watch the kids train and, you know, like, you know, getting to work with them and stuff like that. I just wanted to do more and I can feel like, you know, you just watch and feel like, okay, the future is right here. You know, like you can tell the movements and how they're doing the techniques. And, you know, I I, I just like looking forward, like in five, ten years later from now, like it's going to be a lot of, I feel like there's going to be a lot of good athletes that's going to come from that part of the world. And I want to be part of it, you know, and, right. you know, like maybe if they can look at me and, you know, me, I've become like an inspiration or motivation. That would be nice. You know, that would be really good. And, uh, you know, it's not going to end with me. It's like, you know, I'm going to do as, and get to as far as I can and, you know, trying to support, you know, through my country, like, you know, add another option or like another way out for some of the kids down there, you know, because I feel like there's too much talents that don't get, you know, uh, recognized because of some of the situation and I want to help with whatever I can, you know, also. Yeah, that's awesome. That's I, really I definitely cool, think, I, I definitely think there's a lot of people over in Ghana and I'm sure other countries as well that look to you and see that you're having a lot of success on the international scene, despite coming from a place where jujitsu isn't as popular. So we just want to commend you for, for all your efforts and, you know, shining a light on, on what's possible for people, even if they're not from a big country or a big academy. Yeah. Right. Yeah, dude. And like like I've said on the show many times, we're all about helping out the dreams of the competitors that come on the show. Right. And what you're doing is a very noble thing. So if you ever are like, hey, guys, I want some like you know promotion for what I'm doing or anything that you're doing, dude, any help at all. You just message us and we're, we're we want to be like as invested in uh, bringing out the goodness in the world and through our the people that we interview and through everything that we do 
on the show. So, dude, anytime you want to, uh, you know, ask for some support, like, hey, I want, can you guys do like another interview, or can I like, can I talk about this and post a clip, like, whatever, man, just let us know. I really appreciate it. It means a lot. Of course, bro. For sure. So, do you have any uh, sponsors you want to thank, or any friends or supporters? Oh uh, yeah, um, like uh, sponsors, Hyperfly. Shout out to Hyperfly. Uh, I think the is the best right now, and uh, you know, to my to David Garmo, you know, he, he he made a joke earlier that he was gonna walk in butt naked. I can see him doing that. It's not over yet. <laughs> yeah, it's not over yet. He's probably gonna still walk in. <laughs> Dude, if he did that, that I we couldn't upload the video to YouTube. We'd have to like edit it in post production or something. Yeah, use those yeah. little like uh, pixelated stuff to to cover his private parts. Yeah, just one <laughs> one single pixel. Yeah. Is all <laughs> <laughs> oh my yeah, uh, you know, like uh, um, when me and he talked, you know, he, he told me like how um, due to it's like more trying to change the culture here, you know, like the culture of due to in the Midwest, like we're trying to take it to the next level, and that's the goal. Twenty three heading into twenty twenty one, and you know, shout out to um, you know everybody here, assembly, you know, all the new. Um, then the new students that I'm working with, you know, very hardworking. Uh, I enjoy talking to everybody here, and you know, and whoever is listening, if you're ever in town, you know, just passing through or just like here to see family, whatever, like we really open to accept you. you. Can come down and train with us. You know, it's one of like the coolest vibes, the coolest facilities you can find around here for sure. And everybody who's like um, all the fans. Thank you guys and shout out to everybody. I appreciate all the support for real. For sure. Awesome. You want to thank uh, some of our sponsors? I do want to thank some of our sponsors, Danny O'Donnell. All right, here we go. <clears throat> Election Performance. Use our discount code. If you want to look, so if David Garma would have, let's say he walked in the room naked right now, <laughs> you would have seen flab. You would have seen like some <laughs> muscular dystrophy. You would have seen a pot belly. That is not what we endorse. We endorse Electrum Performance. You see Hysam Rita? That man is the picture of health and fitness. That dude is out here lifting, eating healthy, following his dreams. David Garmo is probably eating a pierogi right now. So listen, <laughs> use Electrum Performance, our Open Guardcast discount code, Open Guardcast 25. Get thick, mean, lean, and swole, and just just, just follow us. Write a review on podcast on all the podcast platforms that I don't know nothing about. iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Come on, dude. Like, get, throw us a bone here. Also, I want to thank Break New Ground. Use Jake Watson for 10% off on all those awesome geese. You were talking about Hyperfly. Uh, also follow Hyperfly for the sake of Hysom. We love you. Uh, and <laughs> also make sure you guys follow High Tier Photography, Chill Fit Cryo, uh, Logo to Life. And uh, thank you to Jiu-Jitsu Dummies for uh all your guys's amazing uh work that you did with the episode that i just got on that'll come out uh, pretty soon on their platform and real quick uh i don't uh, before i forget we want to end this episode uh thank you to all our sponsors of course but we want to end this episode giving our sincerest condolences to the family of gordon ryan um recently uh big gord uh passed away and there's a, a great deal of people who dislike gordon uh, for whatever reason, but right now is not the time to be uh, spreading any hate. The man just lost his dad. So, uh, Gordon, our hearts go out to you. Uh, we love you. We're 
I'm sure he's very proud of you. And, uh, yeah, we just wanted to give you some love, uh, because everybody deserves it. So thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the open guard cast. What episode was this Mr. O'Donnell? Oh, uh, thank you. Maracaba BJJ and Marcio Andre Academy as well before Danny, uh, slapped me in the forehead virtually. <laughs> Uh, 66 episodes. Episode 66. Hi, Samrita. You have just made history. We're episode 66 <laughs> of the Open Guard Cast. I'm gonna tell BJJ Heroes to put that guest on episode 66. Of, of, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, That's Danny, awesome. uh, if you have nothing else to say, then why don't you uh take us out of here? Yeah, so thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks again to Hasam. This is episode 66 of the Open Guard Cast. Definitely follow Hasam on Instagram. Follow Hyperfly and Assembly Jiu-Jitsu, David Garmo. And, yeah, we'll see all of you guys next week. Have a great Christmas or holiday season. And, yeah, thanks again.